So um, I thought it would be good for us to pray again. We sang a couple songs that talked about the nations and that talked about the throne and we know who's truly in charge. Um, There's a lot of people who think they're in charge, but God reigns. And so um, obviously the situation in Ukraine is horrific. I can't imagine. Um, I went to the, our free church um, has had work there for a long time, and all of the missionaries who've been there are out. But if you want to help with the humanitarian crisis, uh, crisis response, there's a place where you can give. There's the website. Just go to efca.org, and you can find it to help. There's over 2.5 million refugees that have fled the country because of it. So I'd like us to get on our knees, if you can, and pray again. If you don't know how to pray, may I suggest you say, Holy Spirit, help me pray. And let's ask for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done. Those are safe prayers for us to pray. But um, when I went to the website, I saw a picture of a somebody's backyard, and there was a missile buried in it that obviously had not exploded. And I just can't imagine that. You know, just imagine a missile in your backyard. So let's, let's join with Christians around the country and pray this morning. Let's, you can get on your knees, and then we'll talk about what we're going to talk about. I'll close this in a minute. Father in heaven, we know that you reign and you've told us to pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we talked about the nations and sang about the nations this morning. You are over them. And so that's what we pray this morning, that your will would be done. We pray for lives to be spared, for hearts to be turned to you and for you to accomplish your purposes. We pray for your church in Ukraine. Protect it. Help it to be bold. And Lord, we pray that hearts would turn to you. You've said the king's heart is like channels of water in the hands of the Lord, and so we ask that you would turn leaders to your way, that your word will win out your 
your will will be accomplished. Lord, help us to know how to pray and continue to pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to talk about the body of Christ. And uh, it's kind of in the series that I've been doing on the easy yoke. You can see we weren't supposed to go this alone. And um, I want you to just think with me for just a minute. If I say the word church to you, and you closed your eyes, what would be the thing that you would picture? I just Someone just says, church. What do you picture? Do you picture a building? A little steeple? You know, the iconic, iconic uh, white church with the little... Do you picture a gathering like this when you think of church? Or do you picture Jesus? Um, We're going to talk about that. So let me just pray again for us that we would hear his word this morning. Lord, when we come to your word, we always need your help. And you always are willing to help us understand as we pray for discernment. So I just ask as we talk about your church today and see how key it is in who we become as disciples, as followers of you, that you'd help us think afresh. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, on the night that Jesus was betrayed in that upper room, he gave some last instructions to his disciples, and this is one of them. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. So we've been in the Sermon on the Mount, and we saw how in the Sermon on the Mount, righteousness is not just following rules. It's not that we ignore the law. It's supposed to help us understand how we love one another. It's got value. But it's not by following the rules. It's by the change in our heart. It's by the change to being people who love, who actually think about the well-being of others And here, Jesus adds to it. You know, Jim talked last week about loving your enemies, and we're supposed to love our neighbors, and we're supposed to love God, but here there's this one another, like the community of faith is, we're supposed to love each other. And this phrase, one another, is picked up. So every place you saw the gospel spread in the book of Acts, as they made disciples, they gathered those disciples into communities, into churches, And so if you read through the um, New Testament um, and look for one another, put that phrase in, you're going to find all of these instructions about how we're to treat one another. So just add one another to the end of each of these phrases. So we're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to don't judge one another. We're supposed to accept one another. We're supposed to admonish one another. We're supposed to encourage one another. We're supposed to greet one another. That's the one about the holy kiss, which we don't do. 
We're supposed to care for one another. We're supposed to be kind to one another. We're to be subject to one another. We're not to lie to one another. We're to bear with one another. We're supposed to comfort one another. We're not to complain against each other. We're supposed to be hospitable to one another, and we're supposed to serve one another. So there's lots of different ways that we express this love to be a community of followers of Jesus. And the point is we're in this together. We need each other. And Jesus said that when we do this, it's going to be noticed. So this is interesting. The Roman Emperor Julian um, said this, let us consider that nothing has so much contributed to the progress of the superstition of Christians. That's what he calls us, superstitions, as their charity to strangers. I think we ought to discharge this obligation ourselves, establish hospitals in every place, for it would be a shame for us to abandon our poor while these impious Galileans, that means Christians, provide not only for their own but also for ours, welcoming them into their agape. They attract them as children are attracted with cakes. Love works. Like when you show love to people, it speaks powerfully for something being different. And that's the kind of community we're supposed to have. The church is a family, and we are supposed to love one another. So, I know in English that the word church is used for buildings. I get it. I'm, I, I don't like it, but I get it. When people find out that I'm a pastor, like if I meet somebody and they find out I'm a pastor, it's very common then for them to say, well, where is your church? And whenever somebody says that, I just kind of go, because I don't like the phrase your, like it's not my church. And secondly, if I was, you know, smart alecky, I'd say, well, they're scattered around three counties right now. Because we're the church. But yeah, I understand it's a building that, that's in the English dictionary, and it, okay, deal with it. But it really, in the scriptures, is people. It is the people of God, and they form the body of Christ. And we've got to think about that. We are the church, and we need each other to be disciples. It's not a lone ranger thing. So, who leads the church? This, again, is important for us to understand. If you read Ephesians 1, it's very clear it's Jesus. And he, that's God, put all things in subjection under his, that's Jesus' feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. We are called the body of Christ. We are under Jesus. It is his church. We can talk about it being our church, okay, but it's certainly not my church. It's his church. So underneath the elders, or underneath the Jesus, who leads at the local level? And here it's clear that the church is led by elders. Look at what 
Peter writes, Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples of the flock. The church is supposed to be led by a group of elders. It's plural. It is plural. That is really important. So at Grace, in submission to Jesus, the elders as a team have authority to make the decisions and lead the body. They make decisions as a team and in unity, seeking Jesus leading together. Jim referenced this last week. This is really important for us to understand because if we go back to that one another section, we're supposed to be interactive with one another. We need each other, and there is a community about that. But at the human level, there's not a one-person dictator in the church. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes people think, because I teach often, that I'm the senior pastor, and so therefore I function as the CEO, and I know everything. That's crazy. But I haven't functioned in that role for a long, long time. Uh, early on, when I was the only person on staff, you know, I was it, because I was over the staff, because I was it. But that doesn't work that way here. At Grace, the elders as a team have authority. There's no one else who goes around and has authority over everything. Any other authority comes from them in terms of distributing responsibility. So, the church is Jesus's. It's his body. It's a community. It's us. And it's led by elders. But then we get to this. Who does the ministry? And this is where it gets really, really interesting. So in Ephesians, Paul writes this. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. Um, my father and I had a very disagreeable, I mean, we were agreeable, but disagreeable conversation about this passage because my dad was a pastor for over 40 years. And in the King James, there is a comma after equipping of the saints. And so it was his contention that the ministry is done by pastors. So they equip the saints and they do the work of service. The, work, the word service can also be translated ministry to the building up of the body of Christ. I disagreed with him. And there's no commas in the Greek text. You, you understand how everything flows from the way the grammar works. So if you just look at that, if you're equipping saints, what are you equipping them to do? Like, why do you need equipment if you're not doing anything? So let's continue. 
until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So the reason that the, um, this, this, this body is supposed to minister is to help us all mature. Think about those one another's, admonish one another, encourage one another. See, all of that is a part of how we grow. It's not just one person doing all of that, it's all of us doing that. And what happens is then we get to know Jesus better and we grow up. And then it says, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Years ago, there was a couple um, that was a part of Grace, and um, we were having a conversation at one point, and they had actually been a part of um, a church where the pastor, let's just say he was not really a pastor, he, he was a con artist. And it was big at the time. He's, not, he's now in disgrace someplace. But um, they were ashamed that they were a part of the church for a while because they'd been deceived. They, they had just bought into the hype. And, and we're not supposed to be like that. We're not supposed to get carried about by crazy ideas. We're supposed to have a stability that comes from the community and we're not deceived by cults, and we're not deceived by things that are wrong. So as it continues, it says, but speaking the truth in love, truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. We're supposed to mature, and we need each other to do that. So, it continues, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So if you're a part of the body, you need to function. When one of your body parts stops functioning, you tend to go to the doctor, right? <laughs> like, this isn't good. And so we need each other. There, have you heard of the 80-20 principle? The 80-20 principle is talked about in church circles. Sometimes it's more like 90-10. 80% of the work gets done by 20% of the people, or 90% of the work gets done by 10% of the people. It shouldn't be like that. Everybody has a role to play. You have a spiritual gift given to you by God that the church needs. We're all supposed to have a part. And the challenge that, and the argument that I had with my dad was we get this idea that only, you know, like clergy can minister. I witnessed an email chain that I'm on where these pastors were writing about, somebody asked this question, well, do you let regular people baptize people in your church and there was this discussion about it and some did but some made it like no because it has to be the church that does this and so it's got to be some kind of professional i've had the strangest things said to me one guy said to me years ago i wish you'd wear a robe 
Like, he wanted some kind of, you know, formal service so that where I, when I was wearing the robe, he could not think of me as a man or as a person, but, you know, as the office of, you know, the word. Like, somehow my genes got in the way of him hearing the word. I, we have some crazy ideas. I'm sorry. I don't like that. So, when we used to do Discovering Grace, when we talked to people about it, I had quotes from John Stott's commentary on Ephesians. And if you, John Stott was a pastor in England. And, uh, it's a really good commentary on the book of Ephesians. And this is what he says in this section. I just want to read it to you so you hear it from somebody else. The former expression about equipping God's people is of far-reaching significance for any true understanding of Christian ministry. For the word ministry is here used not to describe the work of pastors, but rather the work of so-called laity that is all of God's people without exception. Here is incontrovertible evidence that the New Testament envisions ministry not as the prerogative of a clerical elite, but as the privileged calling of all the people of God. He continues, it does not mean that there is no distinctive pastoral ministry left for clergy, rather it establishes its character. The New, the New Testament concept of the pastor is not of a person who jealously guards all ministry in his own hands and successfully squashes all lay initiatives, but of one who helps and encourages all God's people to discover, develop, and exercise their gifts. And then one more, his teaching and training are directed to this and to enable the people of God to be a servant people ministering actively but humbly according to their gifts in a world of alienation and pain. Thus, instead of monopolizing all ministry himself, he actually multiplies ministries. I got, somebody got mad at me because I didn't like to be called pastor. Because they want you know, to have this concept that the pastor is there to do all this stuff. I don't like to be called pastor, not because I'm trying to get out of a job, but because I don't want you to think you don't have a role to play. So, again, this is from years ago. There was a couple, a young couple, they were in, the, in Discovering Grace, and, and I used to use the illustration of the hospital. Like, if you're in the hospital, who do you want to come to visit you? Well, I want somebody with the gift of healing first, and then somebody with the gift of prayer, right? And then maybe somebody with the gift of mercy. And then maybe, you know, somebody with the gift of serving who's going to go, you know, help at home. Like, those are really awesome gifts to have if you're in the hospital. And what are the chances that I have all of those if I'm the one that comes visit you? So I shared that. So this couple, um, they, she was pregnant, and she, it, it was time for her to have the baby. And so she was in the hospital. Well, at that time, I was working part-time teaching in, at a business college here in town, and I had a tie to, you know, to be a teacher there. So I go to the hospital to visit her, and she got this really worried look on her face. And I didn't find this out till later, but she had remembered from discovering Grace that, that I wasn't promising to visit people in the hospital. So I came, and she'd never seen me in a tie before, so she was convinced she was gonna die, because it must be serious for me to show up. And we were able to laugh, and I was able to correct her. It's not that I don't ever visit anybody in the hospital. I was just trying to make a point. But see, here's the, I, the read this. We've got this idea that only, like, the clergy can do stuff. You know, the, 
yeah, pastors are supposed to do stuff. Of course, that's, that's okay. But everybody has a gift. Everybody has a role to play. And that's what we want to unlock and unleash here. Spirit-based ministry. That's one of the reasons that Jim talked about how Brian and Kirsten have a track record. That's one of the reasons he, the elders have been concerned about this and are going back to this. This isn't new. This is old. This is what we were about all along, is helping people figure out how God made them, how God wired them, how God put them together. Everything in the scriptures is that God created you, designed you, and gifted you, and he's created good works for you to do before you even existed and wants you to enter into the fullness of that. The church is supposed to be like that. It's an us. So, go back to this. Look at verse 16. The whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. The body grows when we all have an understanding of who God made us to be and we use that gift as appropriate. And that's where there needs to be mutual ministry. One person can't do it all. We all have our roles to play. That's how the, work, the church works moving forward. That's what we're supposed to be. So, um, I wanted to show you something that was, um, again, I, this is in the files. So this is one of the things we had in one of the early handouts when someone wanted to say, hey, I want to join Grace. We called it the ministry team for reasons, <laughs> to reflect the fact that you had a role. You had something to contribute. So this is what it says at the end of um, that one of those handouts, it says, our view of ministry is that it is the responsibility of everyone in the church. If we allow the thinking that only one can minister in times of need as a pastor, we deny the spirit-gifted ministry of others in the church. We want each person to function in his or her God-given role in the body. The elders are not responsible to do all of the ministry, only to arrange the church and lead and train the church so that all the needed ministry gets done. We don't want to rob you of the joy of seeing God use your life in the ways that he's designed and made you. We're all a part of this. I had um, someone, I had, I had the nicest conversation with someone on the phone recently, and one of the things she said to me was, when she was here, she felt like grace was real. Like we were real with one another. That's one of the nicest things someone could say. That's what we want to be. We don't want to just be fake. We don't want to be pretend. We want to be real with one another, connected to one another, speaking the truth in love to one another, encouraging one another, all those things. We need each other. The easy yoke is being in community. So let me review. We need each other. You can't be a disciple of Jesus in isolation of the community of faith. Jesus said, they're going to know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. If you aren't around other people to show love, you, it's hard to be the disciple that God intended you to be. 
the easy yoke involves life in community. Community means loving one another the way Jesus loves one another, loves us. How did Jesus love us? He loved us sacrificially. It's going to cost. It's not always easy to love each other. Sometimes you have to pay a price to do that. You have to sacrifice. Under Jesus, the elders of the team lead the church. All other authority at grace is delegated by the elders. And so people have responsibility for tasks, but no one runs around with authority to tell everybody else how to do stuff. It doesn't work that way. You have responsibility for the tasks that you're given. So here's the takeaway. If you want to be in the easy yoke with Jesus, you need to be in community. You need to be in a community of faith. And that means you've got to learn how to love people and do your part. Do you know your spiritual gift or gifts? Do you know who God's made you to be? And are you using them here at Grace in community? Are you using them where you live? Are you using them where you work? We desperately need the church to demonstrate the love of Jesus in a world that's gone crazy. We desperately need that. And that's why what I see happening here as we are going through some transition, coming out of what we've been through with the pandemic and stuff, I am so, so excited because I think we are going to be renewed in our commitment that we, we are the church, not this building, not a program, but this community and the way I see you loving and caring for one another, it's beautiful. And we need to keep it up, and we need to go for it. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for the way your Spirit works in community. Thank you for brothers and sisters who love one another, care for one another. I pray, Father, that you would continue to help us see the gifting and release it here in this community. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.